Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. On the show today, Justin Silver is back. He was on, what, a year ago? He had a television show on CBS? Yeah, it was on CBS. I don't remember the name of it. Hold on. I know I have it right It, it doesn't really much matter. It's gone. It was canceled. Yeah, that's true. But uh, he's back. He has a brand new book showing that uh, he, he fell off the horse and he's getting right back on. Good for him. And he'll be on with us in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Tammy, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I've got one of the coolest stories of all time about a dog whose family didn't want her, took her to the shelter, she got adopted, she walked 30 miles back to the family that didn't want her, who didn't want her again, and dumped her at the shelter, but this is where the story turns, and this turns out to be the luckiest dog, I think, in the world now. Oh, wow. I can't wait to hear that story. Yeah. The guy we're having on for our Hero of the Week tells us... There's a little known but very moving statistic that dog and cat owners only keep their animals for about two and a half years on average. I know people what? like that. Every time I meet them or that, you know, wait, run into that's them. That's the statistic? That yeah. is. Yeah. I've seen people say, like, oh, what no. happened to your dog? Who is this new dog? And it's just like a couple years later. It's just they well, just oh get my. bored and oh tired of them. And want like a car. Dog. Yeah, exactly. Trade in for a younger model of a car. Yeah, they do. Or different, different or, model. Or a wife. Trading it in for a younger what? wife. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Yeah, but you know what they usually they end up usually doing better if the if if you get rid of them. Um, yes. you know, the pets the pets are the, sometimes a different Not so story. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well we'll talk to this guy. He's our hero of the week. Leo Grillo? I think it's Grillo. Grillo? Sure. We'll butcher it. Uh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. That's on we're, the way we're right known here. For that. On Animal Radio. Hey, if we don't mess up your name, you ain't nobody. That's right. Um, let's see. Let's go to the phones. Hi Lanny, where are you calling from today? I'm in um, Central California. San Luis Obispo. Oh, probably listening on KVEC in San Luis, your hometown station. How can we help you today? Well, I have a problem with my other cat. We, I say we because I'm grieving too. We lost our little buddy kitty cat about a month ago, and uh, they were very close, and I was very close to her, and she, I, I think I can cats grieve so long. It's been a, about a month, and she just won't. She hardly eats, and I still am. I mean, I really miss her, and I think, she, and I think Hope does too. And I don't mm-hmm. know what to do, how to, how to, you know, get her over this and have her eat, and, and um, she's not eating. Grieving. So, and and how old was your kitty that you lost? She was almost sixteen, and wow, we had her wow. for fifteen years. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so Both sorry for your loss. That's that's and, hard. And, and you just have the one other kitty. Yes, that was her half. She's her half sister, and she's well. She's and about she was a how old? Younger. Hmm? Oh, so she's about fifteen then. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, in, in answer to your question, absolutely, dogs and cats definitely can go through a grieving process. And it re- there really is no set time. I've had patients that maybe just a few weeks, um, on the longer side, a month and a half, I had a, a dog that was grieving the loss of its um, housemate. 
So, I mean, the, the typical signs that we can see um, are going to be kind of moping around, um, changes in appetite or, you know, stopping eating altogether, um, not wanting to play, uh, kind of staring off in space. Um, and then even some will just vocalize and just kind of wander about. So any of those things she has can all the above definitely. that you mentioned. She does. Okay. The only other concern I have is um, in in a cat, especially of 15 years of age, those signs can also be significant with other health conditions. And just like, you know, families, uh, when there's a, you know, an older couple and a, a spouse passes away and the other spouse passes very soon afterwards, in some cases, when we have one pet pass in the home, it's not that the other pet necessarily develops a disease all of a sudden, but they may decompensate. So if we have borderline kidney problems or maybe, say, diabetes on the on the forefront, those things might come to the surface when we have stress, change in household routines. So I would first and foremost encourage you to get your kitty to a veterinarian for a full health exam. Make sure there's nothing going on that um, the veterinarian feels needs to be dealt with. That might mean doing a little bit of lab work to kind of check things out. But for me, cats, when they stop eating, it is a big red flag. Just eating a little less than normal or not eating as much isn't so concerning. But cats can develop a very serious liver problem called hepatic lipidosis. And this can occur within really just as short as three days of not eating anything. So it is very important that when we have a cat that doesn't eat for that time period, you go see the vet no matter what um, because we have to get nutrition in or we can develop this kind of liver problem just as a consequence of not eating no matter even if we were healthy beforehand. Well, so she, um, she does a tiny, I mean, she eats a little bit. She hasn't stopped eating completely, but she does, you know, I bought her some baby food and she will look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so canned foods and sometimes, you know, tuna juice, I'll pull that out. So I'm going to assume your your kitty is healthy. But again, please make sure you do have her, have her evaluated by a vet. So, But some other things that you might just look at is that, um, you know, it, you admit it and, and you're mourning yourself. So part of what you need to do is you need to be the strong individual in the home and make sure you have a set schedule for her. Stay with those household routines and then whatever things she particularly enjoys, whether it's um, catnip, uh, food, uh, petting and grooming, give her that time and schedule time to do those behaviors and um, make sure you, you try to focus on those positives. When we have a dog or a cat that's sad, mourning, acting fearful. We don't want to reward that, but we still, in your situation, you still want to provide her those things that she enjoys. Um, so as long as it doesn't, um, you're not rewarding that um, kind of sad or depressive behavior, then, then those things, I want you to do those. Um, if we had to pull out some, you know, different therapies, I, I have had some mourning pets that we'd have to do fluid therapy for a day or two, or even appetite stimulants. So hopefully we don't have to go into that, but um, you know I think a lot of the environmental support, and uh, you know I always like to throw in things like pheromones, which can be a, um, a good natural solution when we have an anxious or nervous pet or something emotionally going on, and those are available in sprays or diffusers. You go about the house and just can kind of help their mood and help them feel a little bit more settled. Now, where would you get that, or how would I know what kind of pheromones she? Well, it's um, it's a kitty pheromone, and it's pretty much one type of standard one that's used. You can get that at either veterinary offices or pet stores. 
Um, and they really kind of look like those air freshener plugins that you can get. Um, or a little pump spray are the most common forms. There's also little wipes um, that we'll use, um, almost like a, a baby wipe that you can wipe on the cat. And uh, that's another form for that as well. But a lot of it is really lean. It's just, you know, being there, being supportive, and, um, you know, finding those things that give your, your existing kitty um, enjoyment and pleasure. And um, it takes time. Yeah, for me, too, I still miss my little angel. She was, I, I've never had a cat like her, and she's just, uh, I really miss her, too. Really miss her. Well, our hearts go out to you here and hope you and your other kitty can find some peace and move forward. And remember Angel with um, fondness for all those years you had her. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. And I'll try those things that you mentioned. Thanks, Well, Lonnie. best wishes with you. I know you mentioned this. I'm just going to mention it one more time. Our animals, especially our dogs, are so sensitive to our feelings. They're looking for Judy. Ladybug is uh, like a, a you're a specimen to her. She's looking at every angle of you and every which whatever she you do. She watches me like crazy. So if you're in a bad mood, she's in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. The Who's, bird is the same way. Yeah. My bird is exactly exactly yeah absolutely wow. absolutely. It's, it's your, the body language, it's your tone of voice, and you can, just talking to her, you can hear her pain. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm certain her cat is picking up on that, and it, it, it's hard to fake it, but sure. sometimes, you know, you have to, just like for, if you have children, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's finding that positive memory and, and using that to take care of that existing kitty. Yeah, it's not that we're saying don't grieve, we're just right. saying in front of the animal, maybe mm-hmm. put on a little facade. Yes. Put on a happy face. Yes. There you go. Oh, what? the rest of the words to the song. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. <laughs> So, so you know, um, Dr. Darius, um, you know, he's filled in for me on the radio show. He's, yeah, the new guy he's there been at out, the clinic. Yeah, yeah, so he's been out of town for a little bit, and he's left his uh, few of his parrots here parrots. in the office. So, yeah. Personal parrots. It's, Parrots. He's got oodles of them. But yeah, some of them have a couple <laughs> medical problems. So they were just under our watchful eye. And um, so I've, I've teamed up and I've got the staff trying to teach him, teach the bird bad words. He, he already cusses, so we can't teach him that. But I want to teach him things like, Dr. Stark's appointment in room two. <laughs> oh, something to really fool him. Oh, that's that's genius there. So he'll be like just you know, frustrated at home when he thinks like someone's calling him to an exam room. Well, now, how long do you have to train a week? You have a, to train these yeah, birds. we've got like four days, but he's very bright. So I'm hoping that he's going to pick up on things. And uh, and uh, yeah, so we've been teaching him all sorts of things. Uh, you know, <laughs> Dr. Stark's phone call. Well, let, let us know how that goes. Of course, we know parrots and, and also is it cockatoos that speak to? They have oh, uh, sure. they've broken up marriages. They've uh, tipped off mm-hmm. burglars. They've uh, all as soon as they open their mouths, you know, yeah. you never know what they're going to say. Well, let so. that be a tip to you. Never board your bird at the vet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we had some go home saying, um, "Kennel," <laughs> and then there's the phone ringing, and of course, you know, the different uh, hospital sounds they'll go home making, or making the sounds of the what the the dog barking or the the cat. What was the one bird that we saw that was? Uh, Messing with the dog. A like lot of birds. Meows. Yeah, they go here. Well, they go here, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Call, yeah, yeah, here, yeah. kitty, kitty. And, yeah. That's funny. Oh, well, let us know how that goes, will you? 
not right. Sure will. Check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terrier Shih Tzu's Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're awesome little reads. And they're electronic reads, too. You can read them on your Kindle or your uh, iPad with the Kindle application. It's over at Amazon, and we'll link to it from AnimalRadio.com. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. That's 800 380 4452. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor spay or neuter your animals today. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn Chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. What a great intro. Taking care of business. Originally done by Bachman Turner Overdrive, they owned lots of cats, lots of dogs. In fact, they may have been considered hoarders in some circles. But, of course, they were able to take care of their animals. No, I don't know that's a fact. I'm making it all up right there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) I wanted to tell you that if you have one of these dogs, the Yorkshire Terriers, the Shih Tzus, the Pugs, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And when I say books, I mean Kindle books. They're over at Amazon, and we have links uh, right from AnimalRadio.com. Hopefully, we'll see more breeds coming out soon. Are you even working on other breeds? Yeah, there's, there's, it's not necessarily other breeds. It's yes. just uh, pet topics. Pet topics. So. Oh, yes. So you're gonna have a more generic one on the way, huh? That's my goal. Yeah, that would be my uh, my plan. It's just there's so many different directions to go. With, so you're so talented. Let's take some calls for you right now. Let's see. Let's head to John. Hey, John. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. This is John. Uh, where are you calling from, John? Antelope, California, one town south of Roseville. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's hook you up here with the dock. Is that what you well, need? Hey there. Hi. So, what do you got going on? Well, I got a little puppy, six months old, and she's a miniature poodle, and she's sweet as can be. We're worried about feeding her ice cream. We don't know anything about that sort of thing. Okay, you're, you're worried about it? Is she currently eating ice cream? Yeah, we feed her a dollop once in a while. Vanilla. Okay, so you're looking to ask me for permission to give your dog ice cream, <laughs> is that right? Will it hurt her? <laughs> well, it depends. Um, there are certainly dogs that are have very sensitive stomachs and veering from their uh, regular diet can upset their system. The interesting thing that people need to recognize is that dogs and cats, a good majority of them, are actually lactose intolerant. Um, so... 
that's something to think about when we start offering them different um, dairy products, that that can cause some dietary upset. And it may not be a life-threatening illness, but, you know, we might talk about excess gas, soft stools, maybe some vomiting. Um, as a child, I can tell you my dog, uh, he definitely dined on uh, cleaning the uh, ice cream bowl, <laughs> a regular occurrence. So... A little bit probably is not going to be a big deal, but in general, there's a lot of fat in ice cream and calories that we really just don't need to do. So I, I'm i not going to give you that clearance to say it's okay to give ice cream. It would just be something I would try to discourage. That, that's interesting. The local young man at a pet store suggested I take and put... Uh, suggested what? Suggested I put some uh, uh, peanut butter in uh, wet wet dog food and freeze it and then they give them that. Well, that can be kind of a fun treat, but I would say rather than put it in the food, frozen peanut butter can be very useful when we're uh, trying to get dogs to uh, be occupied, chew on toys. So you can take a little bit of peanut butter, stick it inside a Kong or another kind of chewing toy and keep them occupied. I don't want to just give dogs food. That really, it's it's pretty ungratifying. I mean, yes, they, they like to eat it and it's yummy, but it doesn't really occupy their mind or their chewing instinct. So... I like the frozen peanut butter in a toy. I don't like throwing it in the bowl. That's just, it's not letting a dog be a dog. One last, well, two last questions. I just got told yesterday that it's bad to feed, dangerous to feed dog grapes. Grapes. Yes, that's actually true. Um, Grapes and raisins have the potential to cause kidney failure in dogs. And it's very true. And and that's another thing where people will say, I've done it before and my dog is perfectly fine. It's something they are looking at. They don't know really what the toxic principle is, but it can happen. So do not feed grapes or raisins to your dogs. Thank you, Debbie. And what about chocolate? Chocolate. Oh, that's another one. Chocolate's a no-no. And um, small amounts aren't likely to be toxic, but you can certainly get a taste. They'll develop a taste for chocolate. And my own dear Labrador had ingested several pounds of chocolate items and had the world's worst chocolate toxicity. He had heart arrhythmias, uh, vomiting. It it was a really bad state. So it can be toxic in large amounts. So um, I don't like to do it at all. Uh, Okay, we don't do that. We just figure it out little scoop of vanilla, a tiny little tablespoonful. Yeah, and there's so many, you know, fun, kind of healthy dog treats out there that can be flavored like chocolate, but they really don't contain chocolate. So if you feel the urge to give something like that, you can always reach to the to the pet store to find something. I, Thank you, Debbie. I remember the, uh, the uh, peanut butter that wasn't really peanut butter. It's dog peanut butter. Dog butter is what they call it. From yeah. dog for dog, which is yes, much better. Formulated and healthier for dogs. Good for them. So you might check that out. We have a list over at the uh, website at animalradio.com of oh, foods okay. you should not feed your dog, which uh, <laughs> includes, good. of course, grapes and raisins. Thank you for listening, John. I appreciate your call today. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. I had our next caller lined up, but she refused to go on air. She was going to come on, Debbie. This was going to be Julie. She was going to come on and say that she bathed her dog and she took it to the groomer, but he still stinks. And uh-huh. she, she didn't know why. Well, now she says she found out he rolled and something had something all over him and she picked it all off and he doesn't smell anymore. Oh, well, that's good. And she didn't want to come on the she air. She didn't want to come on air because she felt, you know, embarrassed because she didn't realize yeah. that her dog had rolled hey, on something. You know what? There are sometimes the mystery smells that come walking in the veterinary office. So I don't think, Julie, you should feel bad at all. I've had dogs come in that people are battling, bathing their dogs with medicated shampoos, can't find the stink. And, you know, it might turn out to be something like a stinky 
old collar that's just the dogs were <laughs> oh, jumping really? in the pool. Really? Yes, I was a savior. I, I saved these people. They were just ready to spend money. And I said, you know what? Let me take the collar off. And I took it off. And I was like, oh, boy, you got a really go. stinky collar. You got to get a new one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, $40 later, you know, they got oh, the answer. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. Well, you know, there's an app for that. Help in finding your lost dog. There's been a couple of those out recently. But a new one being tested out in San Diego has taken the whole idea a whole step further. It's using facial recognition software. It's called FindingRover.com, and it matches eight distinctive facial markers on dogs with images uploaded by people searching for lost pets. Eyes and noses, they're the important areas to help tell a dog apart, especially the eye size and how the eyes are positioned near the snout. Every dog that comes into any of San Diego's three shelters is entered into the database, and using it is free for anybody who's lost their dog. The technology powering Finding Rover was built by Stephen Callahan and John Schreiner of the University of Utah's Software Development Center, and they do plan to expand the service area outside San Diego, and boy, this thing is working. Now, this is one of the coolest stories we've had in a long time. It's a heartbreaker, but wait for the ending, okay? You might have heard about a dog known as Lady. She's a senior black lab retriever who had trouble walking, but she went on a 30-mile trek back to the family that had dumped her at the shelter when she couldn't adjust to a new puppy in the family. She was adopted, but she left that family to find her old one. Yeah, they took her right back to the shelter. Okay, the story made the papers. It caught the eye of Wrigley Chewing Gum heiress Helen Rich. She was vacationing in Hawaii at the time. She jumped on the chance to help Lady out. She Get this, she sent one of her assistants on a private jet to get Lady and take her to her huge farm and mansion in Florida that's already loaded with rescued and retired animals. And i got to say, way to go, Helen Rich. Imagine that making all the way home, and then um, they, they send you back to the shelter. That's just cruel. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, that is. I mean, I guess I can't judge. I don't know what their circumstances are. I mean, but I, I know I wouldn't leave my pets behind no but, matter what. Come on, so, Joey. They got, a, they got a new puppy, Joey. They got a new puppy. Yeah. And, you know, this, this old, oh, she's a beautiful old senior, black lab, got gray in her muzzle. She's just gorgeous, and she just couldn't adjust to all the apparent excitement of having a puppy in the house, and they said, well, no, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, that's wow. unbelievable. You know what they should do? They should take the puppy away from the family, too, at that point and say, you know well, what, you're unfit to be a pet owner. Too bad. Tag them, put a sign on their dog <laughs> door like quarantine, um, only it says no puppies allowed. 
<laughs> I'm with you because what's going to happen in 12 years from now? Well, uh-huh. exactly the same thing, you know. But you know what? I I, I got to tell them because I, I might be able to capitalize on this. Just so you people know, I can you know put um oh my god, I I can't even think about what I'm what I'm saying here. I I could put dye on the muzzle and dye it all black and you know keep the dog looking young and you know make 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 a little cash on the side and, and the dog can stay in the house. <laughs> well, you're always thinking, aren't you? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Hey, this dog though got really lucky. I mean, she's gonna live the life of leisure now on this ranch. In the Wrigley Ranch, huh? Yeah, down in Florida. Florida. Helen Rich, I didn't know anything about her, but she is nuts for animals. She has got rescued and retired farm animals and domestic animals. I mean, this place is just running with with animals, and, and she just opens up her home. Hmm. That could be our hero of the week uh, moving up, guys, if you, you, know, you really think about it. Get her on. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at FearFreeHappyHomes.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Well, I'm just saying, if you have a hero of the week, make sure you, you pronounce his name right. And I told you yes. it was Grillo. I said that from the very beginning. I stand corrected. Uh, we welcome to the show Leo Grillo. How are you doing, Leo? <laughs> I just heard that. I'm Italian. <laughs> well, yeah, we were we were trying to figure out, is it Grillo? Does it have the, you know, in, in Southern California here, if you put yeah, two L's together, they're silent. When I first came out here, I said, oh, my name is Leo Grillo. No, Leo Grillo. And when I spell it, they say, Leo Carrillo, Leo Carrillo. I know your name. I know you. I said, well, yeah, they named a beach after me. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're in L.A., and you were actually, you were you were an actor, weren't you, for a long well, time? I, yeah, I, I came out here in 77, and then um, the career was just starting, and I found some dogs in the woods, you know, a few dozen. and Just uh, a few. A few dozen yeah. in one place? In one place. Okay. You know, three, three dozen in one in one place, and uh, it, it was a year of feeding them, and I remember the agent one day, it was pouring rain, it was cold, I had sick dogs. She said, you're going to have to choose, because you keep missing auditions, you're going to have to choose your dogs or your career, and I said, well... Uh, right now, I have to be with them, and I figured, you know, what's a year? <laughs> well, well, good for you. So, tell me about these dogs that you found out in the wild, and were they like domestic dogs? Well, it's dogs and cats. What it is is okay. people people abandon their unwanted pets all kinds of ways, and one of the ways is to dump them out in picnics, picnic areas, or campgrounds, and then uh, from those, you also have dogs and cats who are born in the wild. They're not feral, but they're born in the wild. And the beautiful cats and dogs. I, I have oh, this is kitten season, and you know there, there are millions and millions of kittens born right under people's noses. They don't even know it, you know, because uh, they're having kittens like twice a year. And you know, I have four little tiny, tiny, you know, ten-day-old orphan kittens in an incubator that we we hand raise you know for for um, uh, another two or three weeks before they start eating on their own you know you're tube feeding them you're bottle feeding them and the the, the joy the sadness is that this is going on everywhere and a lot of them are just never going to make it but the joy is is seeing who these little surprise packages are going to turn into mm-hmm. and in a few weeks i mean these are beautiful i mean they're, they're, I, I have some now i lay down on the bed and the cats jump all over these are ones we just hand raised and you have an armpit cat you have a stomach cat you have a you know they, they lay in different parts of you. you have the neck cat the one that gets in your pocket these are beautiful animals 
animals. They grow up to be the most loving, you know, cats, and they all have souls. They're all looking into you and reading your thoughts and your feelings. And anyway, that's what I do. I mean, there are other people doing it, I imagine. Also. Oh, well, there's lots of people. In fact, Tammy right here does it, not to the extent that you do it. Uh, you have over 1,500 dogs and cats and 115 acres, wow. which makes up the Delta Rescue. This is sanctuary. This is not shelter. This is sanctuary. So these are animals that come in. They've already been, one way or another, they've, they, they've been dealt a bad card. And I'm not going to take a chance on them ever going out and, and getting, you know, having it happen again or having them killed. Uh, people only keep their pets two and a half years in America. Where, where did you get that fact? We were stunned by that. We we spent, uh, when we had uh, some discretionary funds about 20 years ago, when the direct mail was good, um, we spent uh, about $20,000 in, uh, a little over that, uh, in uh, research. You know, hired a research company. There are things I wanted to know about animals so that I could figure this thing out. And the most striking fact, was that people in America keep their pets only two and a half years. Now, this was before the recession. When the bubble burst, it got worse. So that that in itself. Now, if you're going to the pound, in most, uh, just about every rescue, other than taking, you know, uh, substituting themselves for a pound and taking people's pets, just about every rescuer that I know goes to the pound and gets animals on death row. Well, yeah, you're going to give them two and a half extra years. That's fantastic. You know, ours, I've just been through uh, a, a lot of time and, and emotion and effort to get them, to save them, to bring them in. I'm not going to just limit their lives to two and a half years, so we created a sanctuary. So they, each animal will live their life out there. Are any of them adopted? Are they unadoptable no. animals? No, no. They, they, what it is is years ago I wrote a book on adoptions. There wasn't any. I made a movie on adoptions, and then I knew all kinds of stuff about adoptions, and then I found out it wasn't working. It wasn't people. Well, you can't people. save all the animals in the world. You got to, you know, there no. are people that will hold on to their animals a little longer than two and a half years. I hope I would. I know well, I. No, well, you keep the average up. There are people that hold on over two months. Yeah. But you can't you save know? every animal. No, no, no. That's why we're, you know, my, I, what I do. Look, I, I'm giving you an example of sure. a, a really someone pushing the envelope. I'm, I'm on that outside edge of the scale. Yes. And I'm saying, look, I have 1,500. That's 1,500. That doesn't mean anything to you until you come out and see it. You oh, go, I know. It's a, it's a lot of animals. Uh, 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 unbelievable. That's just a number. But wait till you see it. And you go, yeah. But look what one obsessed whatever kind of guy did. Look what he did. You can take care of these three. You can take care of the five. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take the extra three kittens. You, you can do this. Because you know, some nut is out there with 1,500 of them. He set the bar. You definitely can take the, you know, the one. <laughs> when you first started, you had a little adversity. I believe it was the city of Glendale. Or was it, it was the Humane Society oh, yeah. in Glendale? Oh, I, yeah, they have a two-dog limit in Glendale. I'm, how did you find that? That was 1970, no, 1983, I think. Yeah. They, uh, I, I was in Glendale, and I had I brought the dogs home, uh, the ones that I couldn't – I rented kennel space. The ones I couldn't put in the kennel, the young ones, the puppies, the ones that had the brand-new disease called Parvo, uh, the ones that I treated. Uh, anyway, I had 29. Uh, but, the, uh, you know, Glendale looked over the fence one day, and they saw 29, and so we started a big, long battle. Um, it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, the, the city attorney said, look, I really hate to prosecute you. I'm going to look like crap if I do. But can you please get out of Glendale? I said, help me get out of Glendale. You know, find me again. So one day I got a call from Glendale from the head of animal control, who at the time was a good friend. 
and somebody else, and they said, look, a, a kennel opened up in El Monte. It's a disaster. It's condemned, but it's a kennel. And so I went down there and said, oh, okay. So we managed to get some sponsors and buy it, and that was the first shelter. That was the shelter we adopted from there. Well, that's why you're our hero of the week, because you, uh, you were asked that question, do you want to be an actor or do you want to save the animals? And you chose the animals, and you are doing a fine job. I encourage people to check out DeltaRescue.org, DeltaRescue.org. Leo Grillo, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Doing good work. If you want to nominate someone for the Hero of the Week, get in touch with Judy. Your voice at AnimalRadio.com. That's your voice at AnimalRadio.com. You know somebody in the neighborhood who's doing good work, going above and beyond the call of duty. It doesn't have to be for 1,500 animals. It could be for one or two animals. If If they're just reaching out, going above and beyond the duty to help one animal, that's enough. We want to hear about that person. Yes. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets, we are just speaking to Leo Grillo. He is the founder and top dog of the Delta Rescue, 35-year-old agency, and he gave up his acting career to really save a lot of animals, and he's doing it himself. He doesn't like have a huge staff or anything yeah. like that. He has 1,500 animals currently about 900 of them are dogs. Can you realize the undertaking that that actually is what he's doing? It's I mean, amazing. That's, 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 that's it really is, especially because these pets are actually living their lives um, out at this mm-hmm. at this place. And um, It's interesting that he doesn't adopt any animals out. You know, well, that's kind of weird. He's seen what happened. They end up, you know, like this one dog, you know, someone else got a new puppy and got rid of their old dog. He feels he's that these animals have safe. been through enough and he doesn't want them to have to go through it again in their life. Yeah, but if they could get that. That one-on-one relationship with a brand new owner and yes, be but, doted after instead of being one of 1,500 animals. But, but there's so be, many more that need homes, yes, so the take odds, those off the market. That's exactly. Odds are against these dogs. Why? God, he, he said they were adoptable. I know, but he said, like he said, people don't keep their animals that, that long. Unless you tell these people, listen, you know, for whatever reason, this doesn't work out. Make sure this pet comes back here, okay? That's, well, most you know, of, that, most that, groups that's, do that. You know, they, they, how do you... Yeah, how they, do you know that people are going to do it? You know, and there you see so many groups saying, "God, I found this dog back in the shelter." When I told the people, mm-hmm. if it didn't work out, bring it back to me. They don't do it. They're I guess they're ashamed. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. Yes, and they don't yeah. want to be admit that they're a failure, so they just drop it to a different shelter. That almost is like a wealthy hoarder to me. Uh, that's exactly what I just said. That's what Hal said. That's exactly uh-huh. what I said. And I didn't understand why they're not adopted because he thinks that with an average of two and a half years. As a that's the statistic, and I think that might be wrong or skewed, a statistic that owners only keep their animals two and a half years, that adopting them out would not be a solution because they would be homeless again in two and a half years. And I really yeah. don't subscribe to that. No, no, and I think that's it's unfair to an animal to make them be living on a ranch when they can have a yep. more meaningful existence. Yep. 
So. Good. Well, whatever his mission for fifteen hundred animals. Good for him. Is is a lot. When yes. you think of best friends, they had they had less than that. Yeah, got the bill for that every month. Oh my oh. gosh, oh, it's, it's a plus incredible job. It's a full time yeah. job. Yeah. That's your life. Taking care of. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's your life. There's what do you mean? Nothing. Four animals are a full time job. <laughs> No kidding, but at least they're safe. That I mean, yeah. that's really what it's come to nowadays to keep them safe because people aren't taking care of them. They're not I heard the stats; they're not keeping them long enough. The shelters are jammed. The shelters do what they can, but you know what happens to a lot of the animals. So, you know, what are you going to do? Well, it was it was funny that that this that the stat that he said that people keep them for approximately two years was actually before the recession. That, that's staggering because I it's something oh, it I guess I can't understand in I, my I world. I check uh, on that stat. We don't, we don't get rid of, rid of pets. I've but known a lot of people like that. I know you've known a lot of people like that, but check on that stat. That may be a small percentage because I don't know people like that. But we had that whole rash of what was being called fur closures. Yes. Where these homes are being clo- foreclosed on and people would pack up their stuff and just leave the animal in the empty house to fend for itself. Yep. Just because it's happening doesn't mean it's predominant. Right. Well, let's take some calls for you right now. Hi, Terry. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Where are you? I'm driving through Nashville. Nashville. Well, say hi. <laughs> hi. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Should probably be a howdy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Dallas, though. <laughs> how, how can we help you out today? Well, I've got a male cat. I got at the shelter about six years ago, and uh, he's been in the house the whole time. He doesn't go outside, and I was thinking about getting another kitten and mm-hmm. wasn't sure how that would go. Okay. Never really has he been, been by himself? It. all? Has he been a soul, yeah. soul cat all this time? Yes. So you're thinking of getting another kitten or a cat or one or more yeah. than? Just a, just another kitten. I was, so I was thinking, go to the shelter to get another one. But mm-hmm. I w- wasn't sure how, how he would react or what would be the best way to go about doing that. Okay. Um, well, the, the biggest thing that I'd say is we're going to go young. Uh, the best way to acclimate a new cat into the home is really to get um, a younger one, one that um, we can kind of ask them to take your other kitty as um, big brother um, so that he'll fit into the, the kitty household. So um, I'd say look for maybe a kitten or just a, a young um, adult cat, and um, that would be your best bet. Um, for male cats, I have had two male cats my own. Um, uh, many people believe that to get a male and a female that you'll get a better combination, a little happier household. But I think a lot of it goes down to the individual personality of the cat. Um, and uh, depending on what your kitty's personality is like now, um, sometimes finding a, a friend to frolic with um, just brings out all that uh, energy and they can really thrive and really enjoy having a good companion. So I'd go young cat or kitten and perhaps maybe look at a female if uh, if you're looking forward to get a, a boy-girl situation there. Well, I've always liked male cats better for some reason. They always seem to be, I don't know, easy going. He's just a, he's just a big old baby. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I went to the shelter about every day for a couple of weeks looking for kittens. And I, I think I'd much rather have a kitten and a uh, male kitten. I'd consider a female, you know. 
Yeah, and I've had I've had two male cats, and so I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, I just I love the dynamics. They were such good boys, and I, I've really enjoyed that. But yeah, I'd say you know look for the younger one and uh, introduce slowly. Um, we don't want to kind of overwhelm either cat, so you know start the young one off gradually. And um, I would make sure that you know your your cat stays top cat, and you respect that. So when you introduce the new one, um, you know we're going to restrict her environment or his his or her environment. Environment and kind of gradually work up that introduction so that hopefully we won't ruffle any fur for your current right. kitty friend. <laughs> so, yeah, so great. make it a, ni- a nice, slow, gradual kitty transition. And, and thank you for considering adoption. So many people can save a life by adopting a cat, young, old, whatever. So, yes, I encourage you, Terry, let's get your kitty a friend. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 12th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66 along with media sponsor Animal Radio and car sponsor Legends Car and Van Rental with companion sponsor Zymox, advocate sponsor Brutus Bone Broth, camping sponsor KOA, and community sponsor Hands On Gloves. The tour travels down America's favorite highway, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events and to raise money. In the first 11 years, the tour has helped to place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops near you and come out for a safe, fun way to support your local shelter. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Big show today. We're going to have this guy on who, uh, I guess he's top dog over at Celestis Pets. What is that? Well, they shoot animal remains, or let us say remains as well as satellites and all kinds of things up into space. They have a brand new business where they're going to send your pet's cremains up into space. Hmm. And I believe it could either orbit or mm-hmm. come back uh, in a fireball or come back as a, as the ashes that were in space. Or I believe they have one wow. trip where they actually send your pet's remains to the moon. That's, I know. So they the can fire, howl at the, the moon. The fireball one sounds cool to me because that's like, you know, the Viking um, um, burial where, where they, where they you know, mm-hmm. sent the raft out to sea and burned it. So I like the fireball one. But just sending it out in space, uh, not your know. thing. Well, wait till he comes on. He may no. change your mind. He has this one where it will circle the Earth. It could circle the Earth for like a year. Can you imagine wow. after your your animals passed for a year to be able to look up and know that he or she is circling the Earth? That's kind of cool. That's but awesome. We'll find out more about it. Certainly, out of my uh, budget, I can't afford that. I think it starts around about a thousand dollars and mm-hmm. goes upwards to uh, one. It was close to thirteen thousand dollars. So we'll find out more about that. Uh, in just a couple of minutes right here. I like to hear how the rich and famous live with their pets. <laughs> also, oh, Justin Silver. Is his show still on? The CBS show? Dr. Debbie, you mentioned something about... Yeah, yeah, be a rerun. I, I wonder if that's a rerun. We'll have to ask him. He's also I with... I think so. Yeah, Dave Donenfeld, who uh, helped him write a book called The Language of Dogs. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, hey, how are you doing? Very good. So is your show still on, or is it a rerun? Where... They are They are re-airing my show Friday nights at 8... 
Eastern Standard Time on um, on TVGN, the TV Guide Network, currently right now. So it's kind of nice. We're getting we're getting some some new fans, and uh, and and apparently people on your your show are watching it again. So thank yeah. you so much. Well, that's very cool. I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know. A second life for the show. So is the book for people that have troubles with their dogs, or is it something that you get when you have a pup and, and you sort of train him that way? What what kind of book is that? I'm actually, you know, Dave is my business partner, best friend. Hey, Dave. Of, uh, hey. Uh, of 17 years and a prolific writer. Um, and when we, well. when we got... When, when we, <laughs> And when we got the opportunity to write this book and, you know, they, they, they can give you ghostwriters and things like that, I said, I don't think it's necessary. He's so good at sort of interpreting a lot of the stuff that I do with the animals and also working on the psychology and with people that I'm going to let him answer this question for you. That's good. You know, I don't believe in ghostwriters, just like as in radio, you don't have ghost hosts. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's all out on the line. You could be in the other room right now and this could be your ghost host. It could I, be. I don't even know. <laughs> No, yeah, Justin and I have been doing this a long time. So when we go on sessions, invariably we encounter the same problems. And and in the book, the first thing we really wanted to go out and do was debunk the idea in some way that dogs are limited. If you think about them, just if you start back from an evolutionary standpoint, these guys have managed to make a living off of humans <laughs> while doing very little, right? They are entirely dependent upon us. They get pet and fed for, you know, being cute, essentially. And they're actually a lot more adept at picking up cues. They've outperformed primates in terms of picking up cues from our eyes. So the first thing we kind of wanted to do was say, hey, can you listen with your eyes and look at your dog with a pair of fresh eyes? So it really doesn't matter if you're dealing with a puppy or a seven-year-old dog that seems set in its ways. They are all capable of learning and essentially learning the same way. So we just kind of decided to flip the script because I felt that trainers tend to be trainer-centric. They're like, let me bring in my set of tools and what I do in order to teach dogs. Mm -hmm. And owners know their dogs better than anybody. They know their cues. They know their quirks and foibles. And they're able to pick up a lot more than they realize. So we kind of go at it and say, listen, can we teach the owner how to teach their dog? So that's kind of our approach. You're sort of the Rosetta Stone of dog language. Is, is what you do, is you're teaching the languages. Uh, that's copyrighted, by the way. I can't use it. Uh, but, it, you know, you're bringing, there's like a language gap, and you're bringing it right. together so you're speaking the same language. Yes. We, we bridge the divide. That's, yeah, that's exactly what we're out to do. And there's no better interpreter between these aliens and us earthlings than, than Justin. I mean, he's just <laughs> kind of knack for it. Thank you, David. Go ahead. I don't know if we wanted to deal with one of the questions we just got here. You, you talked about how the dogs really are intently watching our owners or the guardians for their every cue and every move. And we just had someone call in who was grieving over a lost pet. Mm -hmm. And they were upset. They were calling in because their dog was grieving over the lost pet, too. Right. What do they really know? What do they really know from these cues? Because it seems like they know uh, Judy wants to take them for a walk 10 minutes before she wants to take them for a walk. The reason they know... What I always tell people, I was like, you know, if you, if you simplify things and you look at your life, there's so many things that we're doing in the course of the day. It's actually when you, most people are distracted by 50,000 things, whether it's the TV, the Internet, their cell phones. And when they're getting ready to leave the house, there's probably a set routine of things that they do that the dog sort of picks up on. They're like, oh, when she does this or this thing, that means 10 minutes from now, we're going to end up going on a walk. So they're trying to sort of just pick out whether it's the cue words or the cue actions from our behaviors at all times, and certain things tip them off. Yeah, and, and secondarily, and again, just to be the advocate for how kind of special these animals are, 
Dogs can actually smell biochemical changes in our body, so they know that when there's a shift in mood taking place, so they wow. likely know it ahead of you. So you can't fake it. <laughs> no, you cannot fake it. You oh, cannot fake it. What about the people say, you know, I left and my dog tore up the couch. I know he's just being bad. He's he's taking it out. He's he's reacting because he's mad. No. I don't think that. I don't think I don't think dogs get spiteful. I think what I think, happens, I think cats do. Cats get very spiteful. <laughs> and I know a spiteful goldfish. I just um, I don't think dogs I don't think dogs get spiteful. I don't I don't think they're ever doing I don't think they're ever purposely doing something that they think is wrong or trying to piss us off. I don't think they do that. I think what they're doing is uh, they're just reacting and a lot of times um, the way their expressions of anxiety, frustration, irritability, confusion will get expressed may not always be in ways that are, you know, conducive to our, you know, $4,000 silk couch and pillows. So, oh, yeah. well, what, what about my dog that when I put down treats, I give my dog a treat and then I give the cat a treat. Well, the cat's a little bit slower and the dog wants to steal the treat. And she'll kind of look at me at the side out of her eye, like if I'm watching. And if I'm not watching, she's going to run over there and take that treat from the cat. Yeah, awesome. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> well, you if you put if you put a thousand dollars down on the table, and then you had a thousand, and then another thousand dollars, and I'm a little faster than the other guy, I'm going to try to grab it when you're not looking. What's the question? Well, you but said she that, knows it's wrong. Well, yeah, that they that they're not capable of immoral thoughts or, or revenge. Let us say, but I don't I don't buy that really because they know that they get a reaction if they do something, and isn't that what revenge is? You're trying to get a reaction from your your opponent or you, the person who you're trying to be revengeful to is to give a reaction and they they get the reaction that's like my dogs my dog i I, my one terrier um every now and then when he when he gets a little slow i'm gonna say spiteful but maybe i'm wrong and he'll um right in front of me lift his leg peed and tear ass um you know right 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 up the stairs so i can't get him (laughs) i love that guy you gotta give him a little credit for that i i meant i I think i meant i think i meant more specifically when you leave the house and they're if, if they're a little frustrated and scared that they're tearing up the house i don't think they're trying to I don't think in that gotcha. case they're, they're necessarily trying to get a reaction as much as they're, they're frustrated and confused and, they're, and it's sort of an expression of their discomfort in that specific scenario. And you know what? And here's the other thing, and I, I think Dave will, Dave will echo this. Every animal is different. Every animal, even though dogs typically learn the same way, but the little sort of personalities are all individuals. So, you know, I, I never try to say always. You know, I never try to say dogs are always like this or always like that. So there is, a, even when I do say always, there is a little bit, there's gray area there. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, on paper, dogs are not capable of that sort of cognition. However, you know, there have been too many times dogs have done stuff like that where I'm like, I'm sorry, this dog was motivated or seeking revenge. And, uh, you're, you're not going to talk me out of it. <laughs> well, if the cats can do it, I'm sure the dogs could be capable of it. Uh, yeah. You're a very funny well, guy. Well, well, what was the question of the? Uh, what was the question? What was that person's question about their grieving dog? Did they have a specific question that I can help with? Yeah, how to how to get their dog to stop grieving over the loss of another dog? Well, it was actually a cat, but I, I've changed it for this purpose. Yes. Okay. Well, not anymore. You didn't. Yeah. He's back now. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, you know, in my experience, um, there's nothing wrong with them grieving. Um, there's nothing wrong with them sensing that there's a transition, and there's also nothing wrong with setting a time that you think is okay to move on. And so I think that what you need to monitor is when your own feelings of sorrow are being projected onto the dog and you're feeling so bad for him. And, oh, no, he's still so sad because Fluffy died and all this. That's when you start creating a little bit of a pathology, I think. 
And mm-hmm. I think that it's reasonable to allow the dog to have some time to grieve and to recognize that there's a change. But then, you know, in the animal kingdom, I always think that the, and Dave says this, that the rebound relationship is something that I advocate because I think that there are too many animals dying in shelters and that people who love animals, their gift to the world is to go rescue another one. You know, when people say, oh, you know, I, I'll never get another dog, it's sort of like, well, you know, life is a cycle of dogs. So, um, I on, a, on a real, hey Jay, you know what I was going to add? On a real practical level, you know, once this, once his playmate's gone, there's a big void in its life, and now the dog does not know what to do. So again, Correct. you know, Jay will speak to that point about providing structure and knowing what to do in a given scenario. Yeah, correct. So I think that, you know, if the dog feels normal when there's another dog or another friend there and that's become, that's become the, that's become their, their, their normal state, their homeostasis, if you will, um, that the best thing to do is say, all right, you know what, we've had a little grieving period and it's not like we're trying to replace the old dog, but now it's time to get another one and, and return to homeostasis where we're the multiple cat and dog home here. And I think that that's a healthy thing. Because I think that's very important. It's not. I was going to say, as an owner, you know, this dog was playing with this other dog God knows how many hours a day. So you have to be able to kind of say, all right, this is what you need to be doing now. You know, if there's no alternative activity, the dog's going to sit there and grieve as long as there's nothing to do. Well, I think uh, her problem, and Dr. Debbie, I think you'll agree, was uh, that she was down, the animal was down because she was down and maybe she was even reading some making of it, it worse, into it yeah, yeah making it worse mm-hmm. well the book looks great it's called the language of dogs by justin silver and the very funny dave donenfeld the language of dogs.com we'll put a link over at animalradio.com hold on a second there will you you're listening to animal radio if you missed any part of today's show visit us at animalradio.com or download the animal radio app for iphone and android People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Hi, Brenda. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Yes, go ahead. I was going to ask you where you are today. Well, Acton, Virginia. Okay. Uh, yeah, Central Virginia, not far from Charlottesville. I know and the area. I have a question. I have a question about a turkey. Okay, a turkey. Oh, that must be for me then. I am assuming not for the other turkey over here, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's kind of a bizarre story, but but basically, what happened is it fell off of a turkey truck going to slaughter, and okay. it was laying in the middle of an interstate, and I rescued it. To make a long story short. I got it, struggled it, and got it into the back of my car, took it home, have it in a dog pen, and I know nothing about turkeys, nothing whatsoever. And it's been a couple of days, and I'm having a hard time getting him to eat or drink. I've tried the wild turkey feed. I've tried the cracked corn. 
is uh, drinking a little bit of water, but he's up and walking around and seems to be doing fine. Okay. Well, that is a crazy story. He fell off of a turkey <laughs> truck. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. He, hopefully yeah, he wasn't around like... Oh, well, that's cute. Was he around like the Purdue Farms or anything like that? Well, they have they have a lot of turkey farms uh, around us, and they mass produce them. And I don't know if it's the fact that he was tube fed because he's huge. I don't know if mm-hmm. he's tube fed for feeding like they do sometimes the force feeding, or because he doesn't seem to know how to eat. Huh? Oh. No, and he he's fully feathered. He's how about how much does this guy weigh? Oh, this guy weighs probably fifty pounds. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as the the sad thing about the turkey industry is, like, if we cross over to the pets, is that <laughs> these guys in captivity aren't really, like, the domestically bred turkeys, they're really not here for the long term. So yes. <laughs> they actually tend to be bred for really big body size, and yes. they they really don't live really past a year of age and, and they can actually have some problems with their body weight becoming so big for themselves so yes. that i don't know if we're dealing with something like that as far as diet in general um housing recommendations i can tell you for turkeys is that um you know we definitely want to go with more of like a turkey feed so if you've gone to one of the feed stores and gotten that that would be what i would say most of these places um in a production facility they're not with a big bird like that likely going to be tube feeding a large bird he should be eating something um more on a a, a regular feed scale um you okay. can also try adding in fresh vegetables fruits make sure he's got some grasses um to oh, kind okay. of forage um so um and, and the other thing would be to make sure he's got lots of room because these guys obviously they're pretty big even though they don't fly um uh-huh. you know he needs he needs to have lots of room and then the right. other thing would be um where you're housing him some because a lot of these uh, poultry can actually have fear of predators sometimes they will not thrive if they feel like they're vulnerable so we mm-hmm. can give them visual things to hide around so sometimes we'll put a perimeter oh, okay. fence okay. like a three three foot kind of guard around the fencing just so he kind of oh, hides okay. yeah. um well, the bushes shrubs who's visited him the wild yeah the wild turkeys oh. have already come in to pay him a visit have you named him uh, the wild turkeys no no have you named your turkey yeah his name's She's gilbert grape gilbert cooper grape <laughs> he has a lot to be thankful for, doesn't he? Yes, he does. I mean, he survived the fall off the truck. He survived me getting him in my car. I mean, you know, I hate to see him just, you know, waste away and die, but uh, everybody's telling him just keep him to Thanksgiving and doing that. I can't do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think I think he's pretty lucky you two found each other for a reason. It looks like you now have a pet turkey. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out how to get him to eat and everything. He's yeah. just now started walking, so I, it, it appears that he's never walked before. Um, you know, because he's really not injured. So oh. it just mm-hmm. appears that he's never walked. So I guess he's, like I said, the way they, they breed him in captivity, he probably yeah. didn't and have any do- room to walk. Yeah, and they do just, they get so big that they actually physically can't support their own weight. So, yeah, that can be uh, kind of the dark side to the whole turkey industry there, huh? (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time and your suggestions. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your call today. Okay, Okay, bye-bye. that up on the board there. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Debbie did the iguana. She did the, uh, what was it last week? There was the African grays, the dogs, the cats. Oh, we've the, had uh, skunks. Durable skunks. The trouts. The trouts. <laughs> we all love our animals, huh?
You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Vinny Penn coming back at you. I got six words for you to kick off this week's party animal installment. A snake is not a pet. Now, I'm not talking about the dorm room snake where everybody sits around doing bong tokes and gathers in Chucko's room to watch him feed a mouse to the snake. I'm talking about when you're at an outdoor festival, a flea market or whatnot, as I was with my family the other, and you lean over and you see this guy's got this huge thing on his shoulders, and it's it's rather still. You You think it's kind of a funky new kind of... If he wasn't wearing his Harley t-shirt, you'd think it was the hottest, latest trend in scarves. And then it moves and you realize, oh, it's a massive white snake on his shoulders. I I, I mean, this guy had friggin' anaconda at a flea market. When the head, uh, when the forked tongue started flicking out, my daughter shrieked like Jason Voorhees had just shown up. I took her to see the new Friday the 13th. Not a good move. She's very young for that. But I must reiterate, a snake is not a pet. Or at the very least, you don't take your snake for a walk. And that's not a metaphor. Vinnie Pan, party animal, animal radio. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Animals keep on getting the benefits of this high-tech world we live in. The latest is an interactive game system to keep pets entertained while you're away. It's called Clever Pet. You put your dog's food in the Clever Pet, and over the course of the day, the dog gets the food in return for solving simple puzzles designed just for them. The console has three sensitive touchpads that light up interactively, and they're designed for your dog's nose or paw. And you can keep track of your pet's progress through the Clever Pet app. Of course, there's an app for that. The first Clever Pet consoles are expected to ship in the spring. And before creating Clever Pet, co-founder Leo Trottier created a cat feeder where the cats have to flick a chopstick to earn food. So they got some crazy ideas going on over there. With all the pet food recalls, some folks are now turning to feeding their pets raw food. Now the FDA, though, is out with a warning on that. Raw food increases the risk of food poisoning, both for you and your pet. That's because raw meat, bones, and organs that haven't been cooked are more likely to contain salmonella, listeria, or other harmful bacteria. The FDA is warning to keep the pet food frozen until you're ready to feed it to your pet, thaw, serve, and store it in containers you don't use for your food, and take extra care when cleaning up after your pet as they may shed that bacteria when they go to the bathroom. Well, when you love your pet, you love your pet. That's it. No matter what kind of breed or species he or she is. And that explains the actions of a woman in Salem, Oregon. Sherry Dolezal runs a bearded dragon rescue. She came home the other day to see one of her lizards named Del Sol floating unconscious in the pool. She got him out, started pounding on the back of the lizard, doing chest compressions. She finally started CPR and he started breathing again. Del Sol and Sherry are now doing just fine. 
I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. Tammy was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. It was in the news about Celestis Pets. It's a company out of, uh, uh, I'm not sure. We'll find out in just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say probably one of those Venus? southern states because they launch your pet's cremains up into space. What a great way to memorialize them. And this was so interesting that I had to get this guy on the phone. This is Stephen Isley. He's the head of the Celestis Pets Division. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be with you. Well, now tell us a little bit about your company. Obviously, you didn't start for the pets. You probably were setting up satellites and all kinds of technology, I, I would imagine. It's, am I wrong? No, correct. Uh, we're actually Houston-based, um, so you're right about the southern state point. And uh, we, we are. We're a, uh, an aerospace company that uh, we've launched uh, satellites in the past, or we've contributed to other NASA and, and NOAA projects. And uh, we, we've also, for the last 15 years, had what we call a memorial spaceflight service, and it's been for humans. And it's been the opportunity to uh, send loved ones on a... Uh, uh, final memorial trip to outer space, um, and we had so many inquiries from our past customers as well as uh, folks from around the world that said, hey, what about our pet? Can we honor our pet in the same way? And that's why uh, we decided to launch Celeste's Pets. i got to say, I think it's really cool, personally. There's a lot of strange looks in the studio right now, but I really think it's very, very cool. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I just don't understand. I mean, do they stay in space Forever? Yeah, well, there are a lot of different options. And, and, you know, we like to say that, I mean, what's so cool about this is it's it's kind of like lighting the largest candle in honor of a loved one or a pet. <laughs> and it's unforgettable because you go to the launch, uh, you can watch uh, the launch as the, the, your, your pet uh, f- friend is, uh, is flying. And, um, and in certain instances, like in our orbital flights or deep space flights, you can actually track it. So you'll be able to know where your pet is at all times. So it's kind of wow. cool, like anywhere in the world you are. Uh, you can kind of be with your pet and, you know, look up to the stars and really kind of reflect and remember those uh, memories you have. And that's why people really love it. Um, but we do actually offer uh, four basic services. The first one is a trip to space and back. So you get the, the remains of the keepsake uh, that can, you can keep with yourself. Um, and then we offer an Earth orbit trip, which means it orbits the Earth uh, sometimes for years, all the way to thousands of years, potentially, wow. depending on how, how far. So that's kind of a forever trip. Um, and then we have a uh, trip to the moon, so you can your pet can howl from the moon. And we do a uh, Voyager service, which is our deep space Holy trip, and that uh, can go anywhere. That is totally amazing. I guess this runs anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars. Yeah, and 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 more for the uh, the lunar trip and the deep sure. space mission. Um, but we're you know, and what what else is really cool is that all of our uh, cremains, whether they're human or pet, they're integrated with an existing spacecraft. So it actually is kind of like they're part of the spacecraft. They don't they're not scattered in, in space. They don't form any other orbital debris. And in some cases, they actually kind of form like uh, either like a radiation shielding. They're all put in their own little capsules or as ballast. So in a neat way, you're actually contributing to the exploration of outer space, and you're contributing to funding of existing spacecrafts and science experiments and experiments that students put up in the space. So it's a really great way to you know give back as well as memorialize. Well, how many do you do at one time? How many go up in one rocket? 
Well, it totally depends. I mean, and so we've, we've obviously never done a, a pet launch before because that, um, that our, our first pet, incidentally, his name is Apollo, and it is a <laughs> Australian Shepherd dog, so it's very fitting that yeah. that was our first sign-up. Uh, we love that. Um, but, you know, we sent as many as 300 individuals up. Um, now, the, the, now, the way it works is that it is, I guess you could call it symbolic cremains, so it's not the whole... Uh, it's not one's whole ashes. It's uh, between one and seven grams that are put in these uh, oh, uh, uh-huh. tubes that look kind of like lipstick tubes. Um, and then they're carefully individually placed uh, within the spacecraft, either integrated in the satellite or on the rocket. You have four different services. And uh, so one of them, the, uh, it, it goes up into orbit and comes back down and then, I guess, burns up upon reentry, which is kind of cool, well, right? Well, the one the one that returns is actually uh, it's near it's near space, so it gets into space, but it doesn't quite enter an orbit, and it re-enters. So um, you actually get that fully whole uh, the capsule, so okay. it doesn't re- burn up. And- there is an Earth orbit option that will eventually burn up in the atmosphere, like after a couple months or years, and that is kind of like a shooting star tribute, if you will. It's pretty neat too. Well, now I know there's big concerns about space debris, right? And uh, does this create more debris? In space? No, because they're all integrated with existing spacecraft. So, again, oh. we're very cognizant of not, it just doesn't get uh, scattered about. Uh, the the Celeste's cargo, we call it our, our precious cargo, uh, it stays contained. So all the, the, the families or the pets, in, in this case, would uh, stay together, and they stay with the rocket. So it either, it either returns with the rocket or um, it goes with the spacecraft. And in the case of our deep space missions, it may travel actually with the spacecraft or with the the, the upper stage of a rocket, in which case that uh, is is essentially flying uh, into deep, deep space and does not contribute to any additional orbital debris. We are with Stephen Isley. He is the head of the Celestis Pets Division, and they send up uh, cremains, about a gram to seven grams of your pet's cremains, uh, into space for one of four, I believe, four different kind of trips. One is actually uh, to the moon. And the Voyager service to deep space. Now, that's, this is interesting. Where is that going? Well, we actually have a number of options. Uh, uh, we'll, be run, we'll be rolling out some new Voyager missions. Uh, some will leave. Our definition of deep space mission is it has to leave the Earth-Moon uh, system. So in one case, one of them is actually heading towards the sun. And in another case, uh, we have others that will be going you know, past uh, other planets, in fact. Wow. So, uh, stay tuned for that. What's the reaction been like thus far? How are people reacting to this? Well, we've had a lot of I, we've had a lot of positive feedback. I, you know, it's funny. Everyone's concern is the orbital debris issue, which uh, in our case is is, is a non-impact. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but in general, you know, it's not for everybody. You know, it's definitely a unique and different way to do something. But I'll tell you what, all of our families that, that go through this process and attend our launches, uh, I mean, they're just so overwhelmed with emotion. And I think it's one of the few memorials. So remember, this is past funeral, past wake, all that. It's, it's one of the few memorials where people are high-fiving and cheering because you've got this tremendous launch. And, and there's just a lot of happiness going around and, and, and being able to connect, you know, post it with your, with your, you know, with your companion, your animal companion, or your human, uh, by looking up to the stars, just has that special effect. So, I, you know, we, we get overwhelming, great support. Uh, you know, a lot of people compare it as sort of as a new cultural norm, kind of like, you know, when the Egyptians would mummify their pets, <laughs> sure. kind of send them with their, uh, uh, their family members into the afterlife. This is a little bit of uh, that thought process, I think. That's fun stuff. Can you imagine after your animal passes, knowing that he's orbiting the earth over <laughs> and over? And to watch it, to a be year. able to, to track yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. 
overhead 12 times a day. Yeah, that's uh, that would be wow. very, very cool. The pet industry, $60 billion a year industry, how does each business take their piece of the pie? And I think you guys are doing something pretty cool with your yeah. piece of the pie here. The website is called Celestius Pets. It's C-E-L-E-S-T-I-S-P-E-T-S dot com. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Thanks so much, Stephen, for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, we love to honor our pets as much as our family members, and that's why we're proud to be doing this. i got to ask you, Dr. Debbie, would you do this? I don't know that I would, but I'm not a real big space fan. I can see if you're a space fan, that would be really kind of a a cool thing, you know. I mean, I don't know. I think for for my pets, terra firma is a little bit more (laughs) appropriate, you know. (laughs) I'm more into the earth, hiking, camping, boating. You know, I think... uh, meaningful water um, memorial would be appropriate. Okay, what about you, Joey? Do you think this is cool? Space, the final frontier. Um, I think, personally, it would be like taking my $5,000 and putting it in that space capsule and sending it up. Um, you know, it just it doesn't do nothing for me. It doesn't? To be very honest. Am I the only one sold no. on this? I would do it. Would you do it? I would do it, definitely. <laughs> Goodbye, empty calorie look-alike dog treats, and hello, yummy combs. The nutritious treat that cleans dogs' teeth between vet visits. Our novel honeycomb-shaped flosses between and around the teeth and gums, where oral disease can start. Yummy combs come in five sizes based on dog weight. Plus, they're 44% protein-rich with 12 wellness ingredients. Teach your dog a new treat. Find Yummy Combs at your local pet store or vet's office. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Yeah, I think Pepsi One is making too sweet for my uh, palate anymore. That's all junk. I'm amazed Mm. that you are drinking that. I'm surprised you're not fat. Only fat people drink well, how come, Pepsi how like How come me? she like eats this crap food, drinks this crap stuff, lives life, burns candles at both ends? She looks like she does. She looks stunning. Ugh. Yes. Well, I do like at least one diet soda a day, and today I'm on two, so just don't tell anybody, Ooh. especially my husband. Yes. <laughs> Are those real teeth? Here, let me see your teeth there. Yeah, they Mine? Are. Yeah. They're fine. I'm not eating the enamel off of them. I brush and... Okay. Giving the doctor a hard time. That's right. I'm sorry. Everyone's got to have some kind of like hang up and some addiction, right? Well, it's always the people that, you know, whatever their expertise is, they're usually, they fail in that area. Like the, what is it? The carpenter's shelves. Yeah. Always. Like, have you seen my dogs? (laughs) Do your dogs need a good grooming, (laughs) Joey? They, they, oh, let me tell you, it's it's sad, but they do. My dogs always need a good grooming. Matter of fact, two of them have never, ever had a haircut. Now, they're not nodded or anything. I mean, they were good. They were, they were brushed out and all, but I have never given them a haircut because I don't want to be, I don't want to deal with them. So they're just like scruffy, overgrown terriers. Yep, yep. And that's like Judy. She's uh, Her dog is the one that's yappy and barks at the other dogs and is unsocialized. But yet she's out teaching and, and pet sitting and, and <laughs> answering questions all over. Well, I don't practice what I preach. No, of course not. We were just saying that none of us really practice what we preach. Whatever. Um, and I don't brush my dog's teeth every day, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, at least you brush yours. And that's that's good enough. And I I don't brush my dog's teeth every day or cat's teeth either. And I know it's good though. You should. But I don't. Right. I, I I couldn't imagine doing that. No. Yeah. Hi, Lily. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Where are I you? Have a, okay. I'm in I'm in Maryland, LA, Maryland. Well, welcome. How can we help you? 
Well, we have a um, a year and a half old Shih Tzu, and he is loving and everything. We we take him, we let him outside the house. Um, we have a little rope that he goes outside the house, and we walk him in the evenings. And um, I'll take him in the mornings for a quick five minute walk, and he does his business like on hundred mailboxes, and then he comes inside and still does his business. Ah, and yikes! <laughs> around my, especially around my table, like my, you know, if you if you go around the table, what's mm. up with that? Is it is it a birch table or a maple? Does he like certain <laughs> woods or trees? Oh golly! I'm oh, sorry, I shouldn't is, be making fun. It is fun. a maple table. It is a maple <laughs> table. All right. Now, did you mention, Lily, if your uh, if your little guy is neutered? He's not. Okay. Well, that's where we're gonna start. Because that table leg does look like very much like a tree to him. And doesn't matter to him if it's inside or outside. It's all his territory. And that's basically what he's saying as he's urinating. Dogs urinate to go to the bathroom, but they also do it to communicate. And it's basically a way that he can't help tell other critters, human, dog, otherwise, that that's his territory. So just be known. This is my, this is my turf. <laughs> so, um, it is very challenging to correct this type of problem if we don't first address the underlying issue, and that is getting this fella neutered. Um, Male hormones of an intact dog are going to cause this behavior. So if we get him neutered and this is still going on, then we're going to go through some behavioral training, some modifications. But some of the core of that is cleaning up the areas uh, with a good enzyme-based cleaner that can help to destroy some of that scent at its core. Um, And then we're going to really go back to the basics of house training and making him go potty outside and then keeping him supervised almost as a puppy when he's indoors but before we go there you really got to go ahead and see about getting this guy taken care of call your favorite local veterinarian and get the snipping done (laughs) it's so much more than population control it's it can uh you can avert a lot of different sicknesses right oh yeah and you know what you know even though you're having this problem now lily i have a lot of people that tell me that their dog is five years old and they've never had a problem and there is really a lag time for some of these behaviors so we know if we neuter dogs before they develop sexual mature signs basically by six months of age then we can avoid most of these behaviors completely the problem is when we don't take advantage of that before they're sexually mature then it gives them the opportunity for these behaviors to develop and it's a lot harder to stop that so for anyone out there who says, oh, my dog's not neutered and he's doing just fine, just wait. This can happen, and it can very easily happen down the road after they've been good for years and years and years. Hmm. Snip, snip, snip. And we absolutely adore him, and he's so loving, but yet he and he knows he's done something wrong because he's going to go, you know, he has this look on his face. <laughs> I know that look. All right, now I'm going to stop you there, too, because that's not true. He does not know. He does not know he's doing something wrong. He's doing something, and you're reacting to it negatively and that he understands that but he does not understand the concept that urinating in the house is a bad thing otherwise he wouldn't do it it has its benefits for him and he understands that and he knows that sometimes you he does this and then you yell at him but he does not understand that association very common problem that we like to kind of put human emotions to when dogs misbehave and it's just not true Thanks for your call today, Lily. 1-866-405-8405. I know when one of the cats around here vomits, they'll come and look at me. And I think they're, like, apologetic, <laughs> but apparently those are my feelings I'm putting on the cat there. Yeah, they just want you to clean it up because they're bothered by the smell or the look of it. 
<laughs> wow, another jam-packed show, Judy. Thank you so much for doing that. I want to thank Leo Grillo, our hero of the week, as well as Stephen Isley from Celestis Pets. I think that's so cool. I want to shoot my animal. <laughs> I'm not even going to wait till they die. I'm just going to shoot them up into space right now. How's oh, that? you can't do no, that. can't no. do that? No. Okay. Justin Silver and his very funny compadre, 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 Dave Donenfeld. Thank you so much for joining us today. We had a lot of fun. Remember, you could download the Animal Radio app for your iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. It's a free download, and you can ask questions directly from the app. Uh, we'll see you next week. Here, did I get it all? I think you Here did. Have a great week. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. This is Animal Art Radio Network. Network.